Hello everyone, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for another edition of The Money Mitch Effect. And today's show will be off the charts. Leading us off, we have another installment of the College Football Roundtable with Ron Schultz and Matt Wittenberg. We'll break down the playoff picture with the matchup set in stone, Alabama versus Washington, Ohio State versus Clemson. We'll discuss if there are any snubs, as well as recap conference championship weekend, and look ahead to some of the more obscure bowl games on this week's show. And then CJ Deer, one of my favorite guests on the program, is going to come by to talk NFL football week 13. We'll discuss Rob Gronkowski's injury, who are some chief contenders for the Patriots in the AFC, as well as look at the NFC playoff picture and if the Dallas Cowboys are as legit as their record says they are, winning 12 straight games. Money Mitch Effect starts right now. It's December. College football regular season is over. But we're not done covering it. It's time for another edition of the College Football Roundtable. And we're back at it. Matt Wittenberg, Ron Schultz. What up? How's it going, guys? Hey, great. Happy to uh, be here for this episode. I think it's going to be a good one. A lot to talk about. Yeah, definitely uh, an exciting week in college football. Exciting end to the season. Yeah, well, in this episode of the Money Mitch Effect, we're going to break down conference championship play. Look at the choices for the playoff committee's final four. Look a little bit into those games. Not a detailed preview, but just kind of look at the matchups. And then other bowl matchups as well. Also, I think sometime during this segment, the Heisman finalists will be announced, so we'll talk about that as well. Let's start with conference championship weekend, guys. And Friday night is when it got started. We had Western Michigan beating uh, Ohio University in a MAC championship game. Closer than a lot of people thought, 29-23. But the first domino in the playoff picture fell Friday later that evening when it was Washington dismantling the Colorado Buffaloes 41-10. Washington won the Pac-12, got their playoff ticket punch they found out on Sunday. But they were dominant victors in this game. And Witt, as the Pac-12 resident expert on this show, it's a big, big statement when you got the sense as it was only 14-7 after the first half that Washington knew not only that they had to win, but that they had to win in dominant fashion. How were they able to do so in this one? Yeah, they uh, they knew they really had to take care of business. I think uh, Cephal Lufau going down early had a lot to do with that. Then, killer. Yeah, and then they throw, the Buffs throw Montez in there, and he looked okay. Uh, wasn't able to move the ball a whole lot, but then they end up making the switch back to Cephal Lufau in the second half, and he just didn't look right at all, especially against... A defense as good as Washington with as many playmakers as they have. Yeah, they smell blood in the water. Jake Browning didn't have a great game, but he didn't necessarily have to throw for 300-plus yards. They were able to get a lot done on the running game. They were maybe the one team on the bubble who sort of had to make a big splash in their conference championship game, and they did so against a good Colorado team. They were ranked eighth going into the game, and yeah, they wanted to leave, I, I'm guessing, as little doubt as possible right. in the committee's mind going into that game. And I'm with you on that. I don't know that it was a lock they would have made it if they went this ugly squeaker over a Colorado team, especially when their quarterback went down. And, and I know we're not in the BCS computer era where yeah, that where stuff tends to matter now. There's the human element to it, too. I mean, obviously, it was a little bit further removed from people's minds since it was played Friday night. But obviously, the committee still looked at that as, as an impressive win. They won by 30, I believe it was, and yeah, the Huskies were deserved with the playoff bid, as I thought that they should have been. So Browning doesn't have the best game. 
But the Gaskin Coleman combo was just uh, sensational. They ran the ball down Colorado's throats. And, you know, defensively, Ron, we've seen this Washington team look electric at times. They stepped up when the bright lights were on. I was very impressed with how they handled business. The Colorado team that we saw clearly just not quite ready. Still a great year. I know the, the last game is going to leave a ta- bad taste in their mouths, but from where this team was, you can always say positive things about this Colorado Buffalo team going forward. Yeah, I think uh, the thing was with this game is that Washington came in knowing that they needed to put up as big of, uh, of a performance as they possibly could to get into the playoff. And if you can't get up for that kind of game, then you might as well not be playing football. That's, that's the whole reason that you play, you play the game, you play, you play the sport, is to be in positions like that where you can control your own destiny. And Washington could, took control of their own destiny. They went out defensively. They shut down Colorado. Yes, the quarterback went out early, but they still shut down the team. And then the offense took care of business, even when Jake Browning wasn't having his best game of the season. Really impressed with Washington, and as much as the debate was whether or not Penn State would get in, I think Washington deserves it. Right, and great job by Chris Peterson turning the program oh, around. absolutely. A tough move to leave a Boise State program that he built up, but he gets it done. Remember, he lost to Boise his first year there, and now here he yeah. is. And I think it's good, and I agree with you guys. We, we went into this weekend thinking chaos could reign supreme, but I think we all kind of knew that after Friday night, Washington was pretty much in. So... They're in. Now, one of the drama-free events of the weekend was the SEC title game. We'll talk about that next. Anti-drama. From our perspective, we knew that uh, we knew that Bama was pretty much in, even if they were to have somehow lost this game. Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, anyone absolutely. would have, would have no, kept think, them out. Yeah. But here they are. Now they just, again, destroy Florida. Just second straight year that they won this game in pretty dominant fashion. Yet another SEC championship for saving. 54-16, they win it, and... Ron, I'll start with you. The Bama defense, we keep coming back to their offense, making strides and growing as the game goes on. But defensively, when you know that you can just own a team for four quarters, that has to just be so debilitating and so frustrating. Bama's defense, as good as any college defense that I can remember seeing in a very long time. It might it might be the best defense that, that Alabama's ever had and that Nick Saban's ever coached. I mean, this defense right now, it's impossible to run the ball. Throwing the ball is just as hard. It's it's stifling, and I think it's discouraging to teams, and that's why you'll see teams play Bama tight for a quarter or two, but they come out in the second half and it's just over because I think it's discouraging after getting two quarters of just literally barely being able to move the ball, and then teams come back out and are expected to try and do it again. Well, they come back out, and they usually three and out again, and it's Bama then you know smells blood in the water like you said before, and that's it. So if, if I have this right with Alabama came out and played a little poor at first on offense, had a couple turnovers, had the fluky return uh, conversion on the PAT attempt, and yet Florida still loses by 38 points. So they got the lucky breaks that we thought that they needed to have a prayer, and yet it still didn't matter. I agree with everything Ron said about their defense, maybe being one of the best ever, but then we see their offense get going. We see Bo Scarborough, who averaged eight yards a carry, got two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts played better. If they get clicking on all cylinders, which, frighteningly, we might not have even seen that happen yet, I just don't know who, if anybody, could beat them. No, it's, uh, hey, it's going to be an uphill climb for any team that they come up against. And Jalen Hurts in his freshman year, not, I mean, he went into the ideal situation where he's 
got the athletes around him. He's got the all-world defense where he's not going to be the guy that's going to have to win them a game. He's basically the guy who has to just not lose them the game. And I think, obviously, I think he's got potential to be a really good quarterback. Is he there yet? Probably not. But I think that, yeah, he plays pretty mistake-free football. Obviously, he's got a bunch of five-star guys all around him, even like you see yeah. some injuries happen. Same and then shells next. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Then the next five-star jumps up off the bench. And, yeah, it's... Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think Good too, problem to have, for I sure. I think, right? too, with Hurts. You're right, he's probably not there yet. But it's going to be a fair discussion in the next couple of years if he's Saban's best college quarterback. All due respect to A.J. McCarron, but... He Man, has the potential, for with sure. With the running ability, with, uh, well, I guess we'll see what happens to his offensive coordinator. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, might not have the same continuity because it looks like Kiffin will be jumping ship, but, I mean, I'm confident, hey, who knows, maybe Sark jumps in and takes the post as uh, as the next ex-USC coach there for uh, Nick Saban. No, Pelton's warming up, too. He's got his <laughs> next job lined up. And, and I'll say this as well. Washington, I'm really happy for you guys. I'm really excited that the Huskies are there and Purple Rain defense is going to make the playoff. But for the fans that were chanting, we want Bama after as that game yeah, was don't. ending. Yeah. Yeah. You got them. Good, good luck with that. You know, it's, yeah, Be uh, careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. You got them. In Atlanta, which is practically a saving home game. With Sark, who knows the Washington program as well. <laughs> That's true. I don't know if he was maybe looking. I mean, how could he have known looking that far ahead? But, hey. It must have worked out okay for him. So Bama moves on, and they make the playoff. They left little doubt, if any, that they were the top seed and they were going to be a prohibitive favorite. Floor's offense, though, is, has been non-objectively bad through most of the season. Oh. So I'm, you knew they weren't going to present much yeah. of a challenge. Washington, obviously a different sort of animal. They're a playoff team, one-loss team. Jake Browning is a lot better than Austin Appleby. So, I mean, obviously I'm not predicting a Husky, <laughs> no. Huskies victory or anything, but just... I'm not sure how much you can glean from Florida's offensive output. Right. I, I glean no. more from Bama against anybody this year. True, true. But there hasn't been anybody in a down year for the SEC, though. True. Well, you can only beat a team by 30, whoever's in front of you. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll have to see what happens there. So the two playoff teams essentially punch their ticket. Now we switch our attention to the Big Ten championship game on the Money Mitch Effect, Matt Wittenberg and Ron Schultz, and it was Penn State in a dramatic comeback. They were down 28-7 at one point in this game to yeah. Wisconsin, 28-14 at halftime. Best time. game of the weekend. It was the best game of the Quite weekend. Far. They win 38-31 to to clinch the conference 11-2 on the season, but a big turnaround from where they were early on after that loss to Michigan. We weren't sure what to expect, and here they are, Big Ten champs. Penn State passing attack, Ron. I mean, McSorley, four touchdowns. He threw for 384 yards, a QBR of 90.8. How is the air attack so dominant in this game, especially the second half when it seemed like every home run ball was striking and everything that they dialed up against the Wisconsin secondary was working? I mean, I think people overlook Trace McSorley. I think I'm not going to come out and say that he should win the Heisman or anything like that, but I think as the season went on, he got more and more confident in the weapons around him and just the offense as as a whole. I think uh, McSorley started to kind of take control of that offense, and I think we really saw it in the second half against Wisconsin is that he came out, felt confident, put the ball up, and let his receivers go get it. They knew that Wisconsin had a weak secondary, and it really, really showed because they, they just terrible. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the time McSorley was just throwing it up, and Penn State receivers were yeah. just out-battling the Wisconsin corners, not necessarily being a great throw or anything. It was just they were getting beat by the Penn State receivers. I think overall, Penn State, 
if you look at the beginning of the season and the end of the season, it's as different as it is when Penn State plays in the first half and the second half. It's one. It's two totally different teams, and, and nobody could guard Blackmail in that second. Half. No, Steve Blackmail was doing whatever he wanted, and. I want to give credit to the Penn State offensive line because in the first half, T.J. Watt was a nightmare. They, they Wisconsin had the defensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. They cleaned that up. In the second half, Wisconsin stopped getting pressure. Nick Sorley, one of the most underrated players in college football, did a phenomenal job, and I thought he was sensational in this game. On the Wisconsin front with the secondary gave in. I had a feeling going into this game that a high-scoring game would favor Penn State for reasons like this. Wisconsin's a well-coached, conservative football team, but when the game turns into a shootout, that's when those principles seem to fade, mm-hmm. and we saw it time and time again as this game progressed. Yeah, Penn, or Wisconsin, rather, kind of that like prototypical Big Ten, like the styled offense. When you think of Big Ten, you see a Wisconsin team. They're going to grind it out on the ground, which I su- was surprised how often seeing that Corey Clement came off the field. I felt I don't know what if it was a game plan tired or if it I was yeah it was, it was a, very weird health issue or anything. But he was averaging I think like six or seven yards a carry and it would come off after every other play. And I think that's part of the reason that their defense was out there so long. They weren't able to grind out those first downs and keep the clock running. They weren't able to protect that lead then. Getting away from the game plan, never a good thing, and Wisconsin's not the team that's going to air it out and that's going to be able to come back from any deficit. And and here's my other thing with that, and I like the job that Coach Chris has done for Wisconsin, but any time they brought in Ogunbowale, it was a tell that they were passing the football, and Penn State was able to kind of keep up. Right, and it's much easier if you know, know, it's kind of like when Texas brings in the 18-wheeler. Exactly. You know they're running the football with him. When Swoops is in, they're running the football. It's the same type of deal. If you know... What is coming at you, it's much easier to defend it than if you don't know what's coming at you. I mean, this season for Wisconsin, even with this loss, this heartbreaking loss, great season, 10-3, and 7-2 in conference. They, they have to find a new coach on the fly after their coach leaves. But they did a great job. You know, they finished as a top-10 team, and I think the Badgers are going to have some sustained success oh, definitely, for the Big Ten title. Definitely but. surpassed expectations, no doubt. Unranked going into the season. But I don't think many people thought that Wisconsin would end this in, in any kind of you know, top 10 anywhere. I don't think anybody had that. So if you're a Wisconsin fan, you have that to hang your hat on. It's like you very much outperformed expectations. And they had those two losses early. They had to run the table like Penn State did to get to this game. They won a lot of big games they got here. But Penn State, a phenomenal effort from where they were in Coach Franklin. I had Kristen Franklin as my top three coaches with Colorado's coach as my top three coaches of the year, the jobs that they've done. Yeah, I could see Franklin definitely, definitely winning uh, – I could definitely see Franklin winning the, the Coach of the Year this year. Unbelievable turnaround. So we're going to take a break from the preview now to talk about the Heisman finalists uh, that were just announced. And five finalists this year. Five. Huh? After we were just saying that we thought it would be a, a lock for three. I Okay, so we'll debate that argument in a second. But, Ron, why don't you reveal who the three finalists were? Five, five. five guys. Five. Say, the five yes. guys going to New York City. So you got Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook. So Oklahoma getting two guys in there. Uh, Michigan's Jabril Peppers, the do-it-all guy, Deshaun Watson, quarterback at Clemson, and then the very overwhelming favorite, Lamar Jackson from Louisville. Okay, here's my first thought. Why, and I'm sorry, Jake Browning, not one of the five going, which is kind of hard to... thought he had an argument, but not a not a stellar performance no. in the conference championship game, not in a stellar USC. performance against USC. So. Still would have put him in over Westbrook. Here's, here's my thing. All due respect to everybody on this list. 
Is Lamar Jackson winning this award? He is. He no, should. Is it no considerably fair? Enough? I mean, I'm not disappointing say last couple of weeks of the season, though. I'll tell you. You that. can make an argument now that it's not a lock that he breaks Troy Smith's record as the most, you know, no, that's true. To the way win the award going off of the way he played, but we figured he's going to win. Why have five finals? I, I think yeah, no, five I know, wide open either. race is one thing, mm-hmm. but it's been three. I think they kind of broke the bank, and I like D.D. Westbrook. One of the best, the best receiver probably this year, mm-hmm. but I'm a little uh, intrigued there. And, I, and I, as much as I've been singing the praises of Jabril Peppers, this seems like the sympathy, like we want to show our appreciation for you. Here's your invite. Yeah, but exactly. I don't see him as a real threat along with Westbrook. Yeah, I, honestly, I, although I could see Jabril Peppers getting third uh, in the voting, both Oklahoma players, ironically, the two of them, uh, I could see getting fourth and fifth in the voting. Uh, although they are the first pair of teammates to be the Heisman finalists since Reggie Bush and Matt Liner. Liner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, Matt Liner did I mean, congrats to both. Congrats Matt to Liner both. Who? Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. To another guy that didn't, <laughs> didn't win a Heisman. Oh, wait. No, I think it's good. I would I would probably slightly disagree. As much as I like Peppers, I think they're going to reward Mayfield with that third spot given how he played down the stretch, his QBR. Watson will probably be second. He has had some great numbers. But it's Lamar Jackson's award. Good for all these guys. It's just to see these guys get their opportunity to go make the trip. Yeah, have fun in New York for a couple days. And be Lamar Jackson's biggest uh, cheerleader. I think that's going to be good, too. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, this was a weird weird year for the Heisman, just with how dominant Lamar Jackson was and how like uninspiring his finish was to the season. I feel like if anyone like came close to like doing what he did over the majority of the year, it would have been... A very interesting ending, but it's just like no one even came not, close. I think that's where Deshaun yeah. Watson, the, the conversation enters with him, is that the door was not open, but it was kind of creaked a, a little, little bit. Jar. Where he, we'll if, he had, if he had if he had lost the pit, and well, no, I'm just saying. Sure. I think it was I think it was even open going into the ACC championship. If he now, don't get me wrong, <laughs> he put on a show, but if yeah. he had put on even more of a show, yeah. I think he needed to do even more. I mean, it was responsible for a ridiculous amount of touchdowns, yards, and everything else. That's all you can really ask for him. And I think the expectations were so much higher for Deshaun Watson, and I think that's a bit unfair for him because I think if we hadn't seen what he did last year, we might be thinking of him closer to Lamar Jackson this year. Mm-hmm. Just based solely on numbers, if you look at the numbers, he's put up some crazy, crazy numbers. He was a bit spoiled by the fact that he played better last year than he had this year. Well, I'll say, too, the Heisman has been given to quarterbacks in particular on teams with multiple losses. Tebow had four when he won. RG3 had four as well. So I don't think Johnny they Manziel, necessarily Manziel, 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 football. Too. I don't think they necessarily, how dare you bring that name up on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they really look at wins losses as, as much as like an MVP award in a major sport or, you know. Something along those lines. But, again, hats off to these guys. I'll be going to New York City. We wish them well there. All right, back to talk about the final championship game. And it was the ACC game with Clemson beating Virginia Tech 42-35. to Now, that was uh, a lot closer than a lot of people thought. In an 8-10 to point favorite range, Clemson was. Virginia Tech covering, and it was 42-35. Bron, typical Typical Clemson. We talked about this before we went on. They look so dominant to start this game, but yet here they are, five to ten minutes each game where they just hang out, just you know, don't break down. They kind of get lackadaisical, and again, almost have this game stolen out from under them. They kind of play to their competition, uh, whether it's a good team or a bad team, because when they played against Louisville, they showed up and they got the win. They played against Florida State, they showed up, they got the win. 
But when they play against, you know, lower-level ACC schools, it just seems like they kind of think, oh, this team's going to roll over for us. And guess what? They're not. They're not going to roll over for you. And uh, Virginia Tech didn't roll over. And I give all the credit in the world to the Hokies. But I think overall the right team won. I think Clemson deserves to be into this playoff. And they got it done in the end. And that, that seems to be kind of, you know, besides the pit game, they let teams stay close. They play everybody close. But in the end, they get the job done and they get the wins. So, and, and you can't knock them for that. They get, true. Wins well, are this, wins. This was dangerous because they were they're shut out. They're, this is an Alabama losing. Oh, no. No, no they, were, they lost. They were out. And uh, I think they knew that. They came in. See, they looked dominant in the beginning, I thought. Like we were talking about before, they kind of have a little bit of a lull in the middle of the game, and then they kind of turn it on at the end just to make sure they get that win. But they got to turn that around if they're going to have a chance to beat Ohio State and then eventually probably Alabama uh, if they were to beat Ohio State. So they cannot have those those little lulls of time where they just decide not to play football. Well, when they get a big lead like that, with you know your best friend in that situation is the running game. And again, it, it yeah, took them. They were a little better. They, they were a little better with Gallman, but... You'd like to see him ride him in that situation up two, three scores. Instead, they went to passing. Virginia Tech got the turnovers. It was a little of that and also Clemson's D, which, again, has the playmakers to look spectacular. A couple walls here, and uh, Virginia Tech made it a game. It's hard to close out games when you don't have a ground attack at all. And obviously, they depend on Watson to generate a lot of that ground offense. And Virginia Tech knows what to look for. They're not a great defense. They're a solid defense. And... Gerard Evans, I have to give him credit, too. He played really good game, was able to pick up a ton of yards on the ground, played pretty well. Hats off to Justin Fuente, too, his first year taking yeah. over for uh, Frank Beamer. But, yeah, these uh, Clemson Lulls, they're dangerous, and, I mean, we've alluded to it throughout the season. But at the end of the day, they get the win. It's, uh, it's all about going 1-0 and on the field that day. Yeah. And it's a dangerous way to live, for sure. And, I mean, I... Don't know what other motivation you need against Ohio State. If you can't get up for a playoff game, then you probably shouldn't be there. Look, yeah, we could say that Clemson lost the game to Pitt. They could have gone their way. A couple things go their way. But, you know, sure. they could have lost other games. They, they deserve they, as well, I think so. a one-loss team seems about right for them. They deserve to, how they played this year, have the, have a loss. It could have, If you would have replayed the season... I think they lose a game again, but it might not be the pick right, game. It might, it might not be, be the pick game. It might have been the NC State game or something else. So, so this is a tough team, and I like Jordan yeah. Leggett as a red zone target, especially. That's a yeah. Big when point Leggett went down for a little bit in the beginning of that game, I was I was a bit bit nervous for Clemson because he is a big part of their attack. Mike Williams too. I mean, he's something else. Mike <laughs> Williams is. There's a lot of them. And before we get to the playoff, I want a quick note, guys, on the uh, Big Twelve de facto title game. We knew pretty much. After Washington won, that it was kind of going to be a game for just the Sugar Bowl. But Oklahoma wins. They beat Oklahoma State, a game that went, you know, I would say it went like a lot of people expected. A close game early, but Oklahoma's offense really got clicking in the second half. And Ron mm-hmm. Westbrook went down, and Mayfield still played at a high level. He earned some a lot of respect in my book for how he still was able to move the ball without his top weapon. Yeah, I think... My thing is, is with the Big 12 is, yes, you lose your, your top weapon, but you're still playing against fifth-grade defense. I mean, this the, the defense is in the Big 12. Just I, don't, I felt like I was just watching yeah. I was watching the Syracuse pit game over and over and over again. What, Ironically, neither of those teams are in the Big 12. It's so true. But that's the way that every game in the Big 12 goes. It, it's, it's so like, true. You feel like they're going to score. It's like you watch a Big 10 game or an SEC game. You're like, man, I hope we score, but the odds right, are Right, right. Big 12, it's, it's like I think they can score every play. I think we're going to score, but maybe we can get a stuff. I don't know. Right, exactly. And, and I think just disappointing – 
on the defensive side of the ball by Oklahoma State. And again, like I said, it's not that you would go into that game expecting that much out of them, but you know, a little bit more than what they gave, uh, I think, would have been good for the Cowboys and at least gave them a shot. You could argue they lost that game at the end of the half. I mean, how many times did they, at the end of quarters, when they had the lead, okay, all we need is a stop here for some momentum, and Oklahoma just came right back and scored. And they had a chance <laughs> to kick a field goal and or uh, score a touchdown at the end of the, yeah, of the half. Elected to go and in. they just elected to go in, which I think is very unpacked, un-Big 12, and very un Oklahoma State-esque. I think that was very, very confusing to me, that decision. Uh, and disappointed by the mullet on that one. It was rainy and an ugly day out there in Norman. I don't know how much of that played into uh, Mason Rudolph not trying to chuck it too much. But, yeah, they got off their game plan. Obviously, Baker Mayfield's better quarterback than Mason Rudolph is. So you knew he was going to make his plays. Got yeah, a little got, bit. Yeah. <laughs> got outside yeah. the pocket on all, all of his big plays, I think, were on him moving outside the pocket and getting off his spot and... Just like, yeah, making that defense well, look silly. Well, hey, as much flack as we give Oklahoma and, and the Big 12 and Bob Stoops, it was two games at the beginning of the year, kind of embarrassing fashion. They rebound. Stoops might not be the best in uh, non-conference games, road tests, but at home in conference, he's as good as it uh, gets. He knows how to win the Big 12. Big 12. <laughs> and that will sure. keep him there. Maybe another 18 years of Bob yeah, Stoops. He can he beat might out be. the other nine teams <laughs> in the Big 12. Bob Stoops' <laughs> career keep. We'll keep going strong at Oklahoma the way it looks. All right, now it's time to look at the playoff picture. Money Mitch mm-hmm. Effect, Ron Schultz, Matt Wittenberg, College Football Roundtable. Here it is. It was revealed on Sunday, yesterday morning, and we had the playoff games 1 4 in Atlanta, the Peach Bowl. It's going to be Bama and Washington and the Fiesta Bowl, which will be the later game that night. Ohio State, the three seed, taking on Clemson, the two seed, with Penn State, Michigan just missing out. At five and six. All right, guys, this is going to dominate the conversation. But start with you, Ron. You think the committee got it right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think there is a legitimate argument to be made for Penn State, but I think overall a one-loss Washington team over a two-loss Penn State team, and the way that they won that Pac-12 title game, I think they deserve it. And they played well all year versus Penn State. Definitely got off to a slow start at the beginning of the year. I could have seen either Penn State or Washington getting in. But if you're a Penn State fan, you take solace in the fact that, one, you don't have to play Alabama, and two, you get to play in the Rose Bowl and have a chance to actually win the game. I think Penn State has much more of a chance against USC than they would be against Bama. Yeah. yeah well, all right, Wait, do you think this is right? I know you were on the conference title side. Ohio State's in. They drop one spot from two to three. That's Penn State's Semantics. Well, here's my thing, and I, and I try to be... I like to hope that in the last couple of years I've presented myself as an un- unbiased, not an unapologetic Ohio State fan. Try not to be a homer in That's that case. Fair. That's fair. That's how I present myself. I'd like to think it so. Did it matter if they were two or three? They're playing in the same game. Yeah, that, that's no, why I said No, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. In it terms doesn't matter. of getting into the playoff, I thought Ohio State deserved it over Penn State. Oh, I think State. so, too. And I even think though so Penn too. State beat them head-to-head, I think the LCOM is still the LCOM, and it's two losses versus one. And I think the only time that it would deviate would be if that extra loss came in a conference championship game where it was an extra game play. But two in the regular season, mm-hmm. the loss to Pitt and the way they lost to Michigan, I think, was the difference. Penn State could have gotten in if they got some help. Unfortunately, when you lose two games, that's what happens. You leave it up to chance and it didn't that's, work out. Yeah, no easy solution to it at all. I mean, it's about what the committee wants to weigh. And if they weighed Ohio State's big non-conference wins and big win over Michigan, over Penn State beating them on the field, and Penn State winning the conference. Is it the right call? 
Probably. I've heard this argument, though, about what if the situations were reversed and if Ohio State was the team that had won its conference and beaten Penn State head-to-head, but Penn State is the one-loss team going into the playoff. I mean, Ohio State's still a big national brand. They got that yeah. big national perception around that. Would they? Would Buckeye fans be pounding home the, oh, we won the conference, we beat you on the field? I mean... Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think did, they I would totally understand it, that I, argument. I would agree that, and I hope I agree, that the LCOM is still the LCOM in two losses. I think that's mm-hmm. a tiebreaker is the head-to-head uh, side of it. And Penn State... Got a fortunate break to even get in that game. The, a similar break that Ohio State didn't get last year when Michigan State right. beat them and they weren't able to get the tiebreaker advantage. Interesting discussion for sure. It's just, yeah, seeing the roles reversed would have been something. Yeah, I'm not sure if it would have pounded out the exact same way. I don't know how big the brand perception is because these aren't computers. These are still human college it's not like State's not a big brand. No, no, no it's I don't think that not on Ohio State though. They're, they they no, are yeah, huge. Definitely, they're a blue blood program for sure. For but sure. it's I just also, an interesting discussion to have. I also don't think that if you have the computers picking four teams of, uh, similar to the BCS, I'd probably pick these four teams. Yeah, well. I think that it did. I believe that yeah. someone ran the BCS uh, uh, simulation and it got these same four teams okay. and actually the same five and six too, so, having Penn State at the five and having uh, Michigan at the six. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, I think it's I think it's right. Yeah. I think the two three matchup is good. It doesn't matter what the order is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I you avoid Bama. <laughs> I hate that a team that didn't so win its conference game. gets in, but just like the overall body of work, I I can't poke too many holes in this at all. Like they they got the right four teams in that we're supposed to be in. So let's look a little bit at this playoff matchup from the perspective, guys, that these two teams... It's like our early preview. We won't dive into it. But Bama opened up as a 14-point favorite with on Washington. It's since ballooned already to about 17.5. And yet that seems about right. This is going to be a tough test for Washington to go. Now, we'll say they get a month to prepare, not a week, so maybe that'll benefit them a little bit, but... It's tough. You're going into SEC country having to play mighty, mighty St. Nick. Yeah, exactly. The stadium that they just just played the SEC championship game in, too. That, uh, the farewell to the Georgia Dome, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be tough for sure. I certainly wouldn't put money on Washington winning, or nor do I expect them to win. I think and hope that it's going to be a good game. They have a talented defense. Chris Peterson, one of the better coaches in all of college football for sure. Jake Browning needs to step up to his competition, though, because in the two big games he had this year against USC and against Colorado, he didn't look all too impressive. So they're going to have to need him to make some plays. And Alabama loves leaving those corners of theirs out on islands. So if he can find Dante Pettis, Sean Ross on some one-on-one matchups and just hope that your guy comes down with it, maybe he got a shot. But you obviously you need Jalen Hurts to have his worst game by far. And maybe turn the ball over two or three times, get some short fields. But, I mean, that's asking a lot against yeah. that team, a tri- no doubt. A tribute to Blake Sims' is a Sugar Bowl performance oh, exactly. in 2014. Exactly. 2015. I think, too, Ron, they got to get off to a good start. If Browning isn't hitting his targets early, and not just from his perspective, but you fall behind, that Washington team falls behind 7, 10, 14 points to Bama early, then the little running game that Washington has is out the window, then they have to throw more. Bama knows it's coming, and that could be a mudslide in an absolute hurry. Yeah, to be honest, I, I don't really know what more there is to talk about this game. <laughs> this game is over uh, before really? it even kicks off, in my opinion. I think I think Alabama is just, right now, I think the only team that could 
legitimately challenge Alabama would be Clemson on their best day. And other than that, I think Alabama is just so much more powerful, so much more talented uh, at every position than every other program in the country. And it's unfortunate, (laughs) you know, for everybody that's trying to play them because they are so dominant. But it is something else going on right now down there in Alabama. And I would not want to play against, uh, like you called, St. Nick in January. Hey, I'm not. I'm just glad you didn't say on New Year's Eve. I'm just glad you didn't say the Cleveland Browns is the only team that could challenge them. (laughs) Right. Well, hey, I think I think they play the Browns ten times. The Browns win eight. Oh God, let's not (laughs) not start that theory and and experiment. But the other game, the Fiesta Bowl, as we segue on, will probably be a lot closer. I think we can agree on that. You have Ohio State and Clemson. Buckeyes open as a three-point favorite. Though I'm curious. That might be a reasoning because of how much width the Buckeyes have played in that game. Glendale's almost a second home for Buckeyes fans. Oh, exactly. Yeah, they think this is their fifth time playing in that game. Which is crazy to think. And they've only played in the Rose Bowl, I think, twice in the last 12 or 13 years. (laughs) Insane. (laughs) Your Buckeyes travel really well. And, yeah, definitely anticipating this to be the better, obviously, out of the two, uh, two semifinal games. And not sure really what to expect out of this one. I think Clemson's defense... Not that great. JT Barrett hasn't looked that great the last month or so of the season. How hot is Deshaun Watson going to be in this game? Are they going to be able to run it? Maybe. Yeah. That second matchup, as Ohio State's defense against Clemson's offense, that's the matchup I'm most looking forward to. Oh, yeah, you have Watson and this Clemson offense that's so pass-heavy. You have Ohio State secondary that's been playing very well. well as good as it gets. That makes plays, pick-six type plays to keep them keep their team in the game and, and swing momentum. Watson's only thrown one pick six his whole career. I want to see Dabo versus Urban Meyer, that chess match. And yeah, i got to give Ur- <laughs> Herbs the edge as far as coaching goes, but Dabo's going to have his team ready to play too. Let's, let's be honest, but it's just Urban Meyer's proven himself everywhere he's been, how great of a coach he is. The game these two teams played four years ago was as good as any bowl game that yeah. season. Sammy Watkins game. Clemson winning. That's the one question I have, though, is that for Clemson, that game was swung on a guy like Sammy Watson making plays, and Watkins making plays in the secondary, who on Clemson is going to step up. If they have someone like that, they're probably going to win the game if right. he whether plays like that. <laughs> yeah, whether that's Mike Williams or Octavius Scott or, or, or someone else. I mean, there, there are some playmakers on this Clemson team. Do not get that mixed up. I mean, Clemson is a legitimate, you know, they deserve to be in this game, and they are a very, very good team. It's just... Will they have the lull that has basically made it? They basically had a lull in pretty much every game except for the game against Syracuse. <laughs> Sorry, but but they they cannot have that against this Ohio State team no. because Urban will smell the blood and he will smell that that little lack of effort and they will pounce and they'll score fourteen points on you real real fast and then Clemson's playing catch up. I think Clemson, if they get down early, they might be in a little bit of trouble. Now, does that mean they can't come back? No, because they did it against Louisville. Uh, when they get their backs up against the wall, they have proven yeah. that they can score. But it's going to be a tough day if Ohio State gets going early on offense, in my opinion. Agreed. And I think Urban Meyer and that Buckeye team are going to be studying that second half Lamar Jackson Louisville effort, a similar style offense, a mobile quarterback, how you can move the ball on this Clemson team. It's fun to watch. And I think, hey, even as a Buckeye fan, this is as good as it gets. This is, these are two teams that are going to be evenly matched. It should be a, a great game. 
And after that little matinee performance, when we get the Alabama football show on at noon, it's just a formality at this point. <laughs> it's like less of a, more of a formality than Lamar Jackson getting the Heisman. <laughs> That's a good thing. What's more likely to happen? Wow. All right, guys, before we wrap up this, before we wrap up the Money Mitch Effect College Football Roundtable, I want to get your thoughts on some of the other bowl games. So, Whit, starting with you, what are some of the games you're looking forward to not playoff bowl games? I'm really amped up for this Rose Bowl. We, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, two of probably the two hottest teams outside of Alabama in the country right now with USC and Penn State going at it. And the Rose Bowl, it's a good classic Pac-12 now, not Pac-10, Big Ten matchup in the Rose Bowl. Two traditional college football powers, both playing extremely well. Two good young quarterbacks, Sam mm-hmm. Darnell and uh, Trace McSorley, who needs to stop with the baseball uh <laughs> touchdown celebration thing that he's doing that yeah that's uh, a kind of getting a little tiresome but yeah i think it's going to be pretty high scoring game too both teams coming in hot might actually make it out to this game out here we'll see mm. and uh yeah one of the premier or the premier game in college football outside of the playoff now well, i'm just, looking for someone to be a man in the field for this podcast so that's good you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'll see if i can hook you up with that and, live. uh one more uh Outside of the New Year's Six that I'm really looking forward to is the Alamo Bowl between Oklahoma State and Colorado. Yeah, Two teams that ended up losing their uh, conference championship games. Is motivation going to be a factor? We'll see. Alamo Bowl, usually a great game. We had the uh, Mm -hmm. TCU-Oregon slugfest last season where Oregon let TCU come back from, I don't know how much they were up, like 30. Yeah, exactly. Two old uh, Big 8 foes reuniting in uh, the Alamo Dome. So... I think that's going to be a really fun one, too. Yeah, should feel so good. There you go. Yeah, the couple the couple that, that stick out to me, the first one being the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Louisville. I think two teams that had had pretty you know high points in the season and didn't really end the season on such high points. I think they both kind of skidded towards the end. Uh, they both lost games that they probably shouldn't have towards the end of the season. And I think that will be an interesting game to see who – you know, can look past their their late season struggles and, and get the win in that game. I think that LSU's defense versus Lamar Jackson will be See, very interesting to watch. Right, I think it'll be very interesting to watch, and it could be very telling as to what kind of pro Lamar Jackson will mm-hmm. be. Another one, that Florida State-Michigan game, I think Michigan should absolutely roll Florida State. I think Florida State, I agree. their three losses were the only three big, you know, hard games they played this yeah. year, and, and they lost all of them. So I think Michigan is just... Too fast, strong, and good on in all all phases of football that they should be able to roll that game. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good games. I look at that Wisconsin-Western Michigan game. Let's see what P.J. Fleck has to offer. Will he even coach this game? Will he, he be gone? Will he be gone? Oregon or wherever he ends up. I feel bad for Wisconsin. Like that's that game's like lose lose for them. If they if they win, <laughs> it's like nothing. oh big deal. You beat yeah. up. Max school. If they lose, then they're then a you lost to a stock. max school. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, I, you guys took pretty much all the bowl games, so I'll just have to keep. I think the Pittsburgh Bowl, man. That's that's yeah. one that people people are going to overlook. Well, but I'll, that yeah. Pittsburgh Northwestern game, that's going to be a good game. The Bronx. Uh, yeah, and that I as you know, you guys so, like the yeah, chances. I, right, and Syracuse won won <laughs> two of the pinstripe bowls, and it's only been around for like eight years, but. I have gone to that game, and it is a really, really cool atmosphere at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium. I'm actually interested to watch that game because having a Big Ten defense in Northwestern, now they're not you know, Michigan, but no. a Big Ten defense playing against a rushing attack, 
that Pittsburgh puts out there, uh, I think could be yeah. interesting. I still think Pitt wins that game. But... Terminator's probably going to have a pretty big game. Right. <laughs> but, no, I agree with that. I think I'll give you one with the Cactus Bowl, North Carolina-Stanford. Looking forward to that one. That's Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl, excuse me. I keep mixing those. <laughs> my uh, Sun Bowl, North Carolina, and Stanford should be a good one. I want to see McCaffrey, Trubisky on the field. Yeah, it could be both of their final college games. So. Yeah, very well. And how about the Dollar General Bowl? In Mobile, Alabama, between the Bobcats and Detroit. That is just, yeah, hey, you made a bowl game. You you won the Dollar General Ball. Might be better to go to Mobile, Alabama. Poise, thanks. Poise is going to be cold. At least you get to play on a blue turf. They give out prizes for different bowls. What is it like? I mean, I can't even remember. Gift cards or whatever. Just, you know. Well, they ain't paying you money, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so. Some headphones, maybe. <laughs> but that's good. But thanks, guys, for coming on the show. It was a great college football season. We recapped a lot. And there is one game left, Army-Navy, this weekend. So excited there. Go Army. That beat Navy. Go uh, Army. I love and their jerseys look awesome. To I see agree. It. They look awesome. Uh, I, just, I hope it happens. Navy will sure. win, yeah. but I want Army to win. It would be good for Army. Yeah, we'll see. But thanks, guys. we got a full bowl preview coming up in the next few weeks, so we'll be back for that. But thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thanks again, guys, for coming on the show and breaking down the college football scene. Ron and Matt are welcome on the Money Mitch Effect anytime. And with a couple weeks and then bowl season, we got time to plan out our next round table. It should be a good one, that is for sure. All right, now it's time to talk to CJ Deer. He has a lot to say about week 13 in the NFL. We're going to cover the playoff picture on each side of the ledger, try to break down who's got an edge in their division races. And we're going to get into the Carolina Panthers situation with Cam Newton getting suspended for a play, just one play. Supposed to be a series. Derek Anderson threw a pick. We'll break that down and more on our Week 13 NFL discussion. Here's CJ Deer now on the Money Mitch Effect. I'm feeling smooth. Ain't nothing gonna phase me. Yeah, my emotions are harmony. Yeah, locked in rocket straight to the top. No intention to stop it. All right, time to talk football. And with that, Week 13 in the books. Yeah, CJ Deering here. Welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect. What's up, what's up? Appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while. It has. And we're 13 weeks into the season. I cannot believe it. This season has flown by. It really has. When it think, started slow, but as the games start getting better, more competitive. We have four weeks left before we're into the playoffs, which is hard to believe. And we're getting ready for that stretch run, the time to really separate the men from the boys. Some of that's already happened. A lot of teams are starting to get eliminated from playoff contention. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys are the only team to have clinched. We'll talk about them in a second. But, CJ, the Patriots beating the Rams. And I wanted to talk about your Rams. <laughs> um, we'll lead off the show. I think it's the first time I've ever I was about to say, look at what we're about to talk about. Diggers ain't the only one that's keeping us relevant. What we're going to talk about, Fisher can't find the challenge player. <laughs> He yeah. got all blunder. What he was gonna throw? I was a little nervous. I'm like, oh no, don't throw Look, the wrong thing. He was trying to prove y'all. Like, look, I still got this contract. I just signed this contract in my pocket. What's up? <laughs> so the New England Patriots, CJ, they lose Rob Gronkowski for the season. Another mm-hmm. crippling blow. As big of a loss as a franchise like them could have, 
They're still able to beat a Rams team that we know was expected to lose. But yes. going forward, they, they looked well. Brady sets the record for most wins by a quarterback ever. That's huge. But going forward, should we be worried about this team? I mean, they don't have their big weapon. The receiving cores looked a little suspect. Mm-hmm. Should I we be worried about them? I would say yes. I would definitely say you should be worried. But it's hard for me to go against the Patriots because they always find ways to win games. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of who's injured, who's out. And I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and I was just saying that what the reason Belichick is so good is because he doesn't make players fit into his scheme. He builds his scheme around the players that he do have that's True. available. So they're going to find ways. They're going to adjust. You're going to start hearing names that you haven't heard all year making plays. Michael Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, Michael Mitchell. But he's been doing it for a couple of weeks now. But it's just players are going to step up. And they know how to put their players in the best position to be successful. So I want to say, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, though. Oh, okay. But I definitely feel like they're going to win a game or two in the playoffs. So my biggest concern with the Patriots, actually has nothing to do with Gronk, and I do respect Gronk and, and think he's one of the best weapons. I mean, he's led the league in touchdowns since he came into the and league he, I, and I missed mean, all those I games. was about to say missed so many games, almost missed the whole season. It's ridiculous. But offensively, you mentioned it, Brady, mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels, great system. Martellus Bennett, they, they haven't had this tight end since that Hernandez fell right. that's no longer there. So now they have a guy that can play at a near all pro take over, um Take over the middle of the field. Edelman's slacking, but you have Amendola, who's been there. You have Chris Hogan, mm-hmm. who's good in the Hogan, slot. Mitchell. So there's options there. You're getting Deion Lewis back. James White's yes, looked all right. Huge. There's some playmakers there. I, I'm still worried defensively. Right. Because this is a team that has given up a lot of yards. And even worse than that, if you watch their games, they're not getting to the quarterback. No, they're not. Against the Rams, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> you're going to still win. You can just you know, you can get a little dance in there if you want. Yes. But you play some of these top teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, some I think these, what's yeah. going to be um, the deciding factor for them to win games is LeGarrette Blunt. Like he's, he's good. He's leading the league in touchdowns, I believe, with 13. And if he's able to control the clock on offense, you know, Brady always with the dink and dunk passes, just keep that defense off the field. <laughs> but like you said, yeah, the defense is definitely their Achilles you worry about Brady's health a little bit. You know, Brady's looked a little banged up. I know he's not known for his mobility, but he's got to stay upright. So yes, that's, that's, that's one thing there. And for the Rams, just one, one other note on that. I don't want to get into the rehash old topics, but Jared Goff, it's hard to evaluate him this year. Um, what are you trying to look for in him, or are you upset or discouraged? I mean, I was what listening a, a couple of weeks ago when he did take over the starting role. They tried to compare him to Donovan McNabb in a sense where he came in later his rookie year. On a bad team. Yeah, on a bad team, lost all those games, but that helped build his confidence. Not really build his confidence, just have, um, more comfortable. Get the speed of the game, get an understanding how to read defenses and the checks and things like that. I mean, so you want to be positive and hope that this is just learning curves and he could be able to figure it out next year. But I, I honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Jared Goff, to be honest. I don't think he's the answer. I think it's going to take time. It's going to take weapons around him. No, it's yeah, easy. that's true. It's that's easy what I'm to saying. Say that. And what's up with Gurley this year? I yeah. mean, that's. You know, the line, too, has been brutal. The, yes. They're scratching guys that have been, I mean, healthy Robinson scratches. was the second overall pick. So there's a lot of talent in flux. But, hey, you just signed Jeff Fisher to a new contract. Two years, baby. Let it all sort itself out. Okay, so we're going to talk now about the team that I think 
is the biggest threat to the Patriots mm-hmm. in the AFC. And they Who won this week. Who are you going to and say? And that is uh, the only football team left uh, in the state uh, of Missouri, the uh, Kansas, Kansas City there, Chiefs. I was hoping you was going to say the Chiefs. Yeah, not I wasn't going to go Raiders. I don't, I'm psyching <laughs> you out there. But the Chiefs beat the Falcons 29-28. and Best game all season. Oh, it, well, yes. Winning on the two-point conversion. We've seen that once before this year in the Broncos-Saints game. Although that game was tied at the time. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying, yeah, they were down okay. by one. <laughs> but it is. You're right. It's yeah, in the top discussion. Top three Eric games. Berry, too. That's, that's the first that's thing good. I want to talk about, CJ, is Eric Berry. I and love him. The game that he had. He had eight points. He outscored a couple teams this week, actually, if you <laughs> yes, want to break did. it down. But Eric Berry, everyone knows the story, had the health scare. Was going through chemotherapy two years yes. ago, and now he's back in Ball. the NFL, killing Ball. it, all pro level. He is back to that. The Chiefs beat a very good, very dangerous Falcons team in mm-hmm. Atlanta with him, and we saw the speech after. To see a guy like that, if you're in that locker room, CJ, and you see Eric Berry play, and you hear the stuff he says, I mean, how easy is that to just let that consume you and be a part of something special like That's this? That's what I'm saying, team? like. Just having, you could tell the, how the defense the defense changed when he got back into the lineup because I believe the year that he was out, they were doing okay, but they weren't playing to the level that they're we're accustomed to seeing them play. But Eric Berry, I just feel like just rally around him. Like you see him going out there giving it 110%, mm-hmm. and um, that's all you can do. It really is. And he wasn't perfect when he came back. He was getting himself back in It takes shape. a while, yes. But the team uplifted him. They did a good mm-hmm. job there. Now with Justin Houston back. That's that, not that. Rusher. <laughs> right. They have a defense that can make plays. Alex Smith, Andy Reid, they have something going. It's not pretty, but it's mm-hmm. efficient. They Even with Macklin being out, they right. can spread the ball right. out. They Running back injuries, they are a team that overcomes injuries. Really I really are. think this is the Patriots' chief threat. In the, I agree. In the I, if they could just get it to... Get it rolling. I mean, keep it rolling in the playoffs. I feel like they could really uh, make it to the Super Bowl. Next week against the Raiders, we're not going to preview any games today, but mm-hmm. they've already beat them once pretty handily. It's going to be a they great game. They beat them again. That division. That's Thursday, right? Yeah, this yeah, is coming up. So we great, have to look out for that. On the other side, Atlanta. And they're 7 5. Uh, I know they started off. Buccaneers high. are going to win it. Ooh, okay. <laughs> but, but let me just say this the Atlanta Falcons. If you would have told me a couple weeks ago that they'd be 7-5 now, the first thing I would have said was, okay, same old Falcons, here we go again. But having actually watched the games they lost, I'm still not convinced this is a bad team. I don't know if you disagree, but I think they've lost a couple hard, hard-fought hard games. Right. And they're still uh, a team that I think has can pose a threat to a lot of other squads. I agree, but I feel like that's what hurts them. Because if you look at the Raiders, you look at the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, they win games. ugly. It's, it's a close game, but they find a way to get that W. And that's – if, you, guess, want to, if yeah. you want to win – I mean, look at the Seahawks. Like, <laughs> those, those Super Bowl runs, you like, yeah. I don't know. They sh- definitely shouldn't have won that game, but they found a way to win. And by the Raiders and the Chiefs doing it in the regular season, I definitely put my money on them before I would do the Falcons. Yeah. Well, I can't put them in that class, obviously, of the Seahawks and, and even a team like the Raiders this year. I, mm-hmm. I guess I'll say it's a step in the right direction from last year. Oh, absolutely. When they lost to but terrible they get, teams yes. and weren't even in a lot of those games. But mm-hmm. you're right. They have to, they have to fix some they things. They have to the win defense, those games. Yes, the defense. defense has to step up in key mm-hmm. moments, especially they've really Yeah, you can't let, let them let give those touchdowns up. But. I still chat with CJ Dare on the Money Mitch effect. Money Mitch. Seahawks, Panthers. That's the game I want to talk about yes, now. That's a huge one. 
Well, we thought it would be good. I, I really whiffed when I said this game would be close. I thought Carolina had enough fight left in them. No, they're done. Oh, yeah. You yeah, think? No, I mean, I, I felt like even going into this game, they just – and it sucks because they just did a complete 180. Like, they just I, fell off the I know they lost I mean, post games, but this, was, this is different. The heart's not in it, and no. I don't want to point to Cam or point to Key no. Queen or point to – but there's a clear Josh disconnect. Norman. There's a disconnect between that locker room and that coaching staff and that front office. I think it's the front office. There, really. There's a lack of – I mean, I should say they're not on the same page. There yes. clearly is a disconnect there. Now, this game they were going to lose. You don't show up ready to play. Your defense gets pushed around. The defense isn't the same. They've been bad. Yeah, how play. you let a Seahawks offense that only scored five points against the <laughs> Buccaneers block anybody. put up all those points? I, I got to talk about the Cam Newton thing. He was benched <laughs> at the start of the game. No one knew what was going on. This was totally It's bigger sudden. than the time. Now, it's bigger than the time. Here's my first thing with it. Based on this, the precedent, based on the scenario that was set, the rules that were in place, it's hard to fault Rivera for making that choice. No, but I'm, he painted himself into the corner by having this policy to begin with. Because Jimmy Johnson, the famous coach Jimmy Johnson, once said, I don't have a curfew because all my top guys would be the ones getting right. in trouble. The second he puts this policy in place, you need to wear a tie, this is what happens. A guy like Cam Newton doesn't wear a tie, and you, you have two options. You either do what you did and hurt your team, mm-hmm. or you get completely I don't even know you get completely pushed over and look, looked at as a pushover in that locker room. Yeah, um, two things. I don't think they lost the game because of that. No. And number two is just bringing unnecessary attention to the team that you don't need at this point in time. And like I said earlier, I just I feel like it's bigger than the time. I don't know. It's something must have happened in that locker room mm-hmm. or like where they Cam must have, you know, broke another rule and, and just to keep it um for the team's sake, like keep it family business, they were just saying he, he wasn't wearing right. a tie. If that case then Rivera should have that policy in place. We just have like twenty ties in his pocket. Yeah, that's why. But I'm, cause I'm trying to think. You know, we always judging Cam on his attire. I'm like, I don't even recall him wearing a tie. <laughs> see, I don't know what the rule is on post game press conferences. Because he might just never, be get, it might just be getting off. The but he bus. wears the same thing, I believe. Right? I would just like to see, and I don't know. We're not in that locker room. It's hard no. for us to speculate. But I would like to see a coach and a player on the same page. That's your leader. That's mm-hmm. your captain. And look, I'm not defending Cam or Rivera. It could be one-sided one way or the other. We don't know. Right. But that's a discussion they have to have on codes or look. We need to get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they did because um, he's a player's coach at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like he has a disconnect with the team. I just think Cam must have really did something bonehead. He's like, look, man, you can't be doing this. No. Like you said before, we already got a broken locker room. Um, we're not playing with the same camaraderie that we played mm-hmm. with last year. And you up here, you know, whatever – you know, I'm speculating, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you can't do that. You you not been, that's not what leaders do. So the Seahawks, CJ, they keep winning. They keep but winning. This, 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 but this was tough. the biggest this injury is the, of them all. This is big. I, I would argue that outside of this Russell Wilson, it doesn't no. get any bigger than this. Richard no, this Sherman, is, this, Jimmy Graham, and Cook. Right. Yes, he's the, like they say, he's the quarterback of the defense. So Earl Thomas. With look the, what look with what the, the defense did. All right, the year. two two things. Look what the defense did last week against the Buccaneers. They couldn't stop Jameis and Mike Evans. Because um, they would put in bad situations. And then the, the play after he was taken off the field, they gave up a touchdown to Ted Ginn. <laughs> All Cam did was just drop back and chuck yeah. it deep. I mean, even the Panthers. That that shows you everything you need to know. That's why I'm Even saying. the Panthers, in complete disarray, with 
no semblance of any organization mm-hmm. knew to just throw it up. Yes. And hey, here's what no I'll say too. I've been maybe overly critical of Richard Sherman and some of the other defensive backs on the Seahawks because mm-hmm. I thought the world of Earl Thomas. Yes. Here we go. Here's your chance. <laughs> yeah, you're not a big so brother. Right. You're not a big brother. You know, <laughs> covering up your mistakes and right. fitting the scheme. So this is gonna this this is tough. I mean, like I feel like this could hurt their playoff Super Bowl chances because this is a huge loss. Well, I keep saying huge, but this is a big loss. <laughs> well, with Rawls too. I mean, he's he looked good last night, then, so that can help. But then gets banged up. Comes yeah, out, he, comes he back, runs and, too. He and runs. it's not that you know that he can overcome what happened last night, but you worry that. He plays well. There's a theme here. There's a pattern. He plays well. He gets hurt. Right. You know, maybe it's the style. I don't it's know. It's the style of running. There's a lot here. This is the second yeah. best team in the in the NFC, it's, which is unbelievable right. to think about. So who are we even taking out of the NFC West? I well, mean, at this point at in the time. NFC West. I mean, why? I, said, I mean, the <laughs> NFC. Sorry, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, was the it, NFC. The Cowboys look oh, yeah, that good. Right. The Seahawks are there. But I don't the, know. yeah, that After that loss that loss of Earl Thomas. Well, I'll tell you a team not to sleep on as we transition to another game, CJ. And that's the Green Bay Packers. Because now everybody left them for dead, which they do. And I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team, but we're talking about teams in the NFC mm-hmm. being down. And the Packers are now 6-6. Six and six. They beat the Texans. From the Green Bay side, they're starting to get back to their identity. Right. They have defense giving them something. They were getting nothing out of their defense for weeks at a time. So now they're getting that. And James Stark's coming back this game. As the weather gets colder, they have at least a mediocre running game. Mediocre. Which is twice as good as what they've had. Absolutely. My point being, I think Green Bay could be a sleeper going down forward here. I don't know, but like you... The number one thing that you said out of that whole thing where they played the Texans. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I I, I still... I'm going with the Lions to win that division. I mean, it definitely does look good. But Aaron Rodgers has been balling out... Um, really these has. past couple of weeks, I feel like he was number one in a lot of passing categories. But um, <laughs> do all, I'll ask you this. Do you think now with his sustained success, do you think he's going to start talking to his family? Ah, no, <laughs> that's so sad. So we were it just is. having, know, we were just having, that. no, but, but we were just having a talk at work. Like, when did Aaron Rodgers become a bad guy? Like, when, at what point you in know, time? But remember, I was, yeah, uh, I was just wondering who, I, I always thought it'd be like a defense or like an edge rusher to take down Rodgers. Who knew it'd be an actress from yeah. the newsroom? Man, I got a conversation to have with you once we get off the microphones about that. But we don't know his business. That's no, we don't. Saying. Yeah, and, and but, I don't, there's two sides to every story, probably three if you include the truth. And the but fact I have is, a story about Mike Nolan, who drafted Alex Smith instead of Aaron Rodgers. Go right ahead. So he, he was saying that the reason that they didn't go with Aaron Rodgers because they saw character issues with him. Mm. And the small thing is, he saw Alex Smith open the door for his mother. And um, I, I forget the situation that he um, saw with Aaron Rodgers. Be like, oh, I knew that's our guy. So he are like people okay. in the football world knew it was well, character issues, but we didn't. I guess one thing is we've all heard that Alex Smith is just a great stand-up guy. Yeah. So that's exemplary character. Maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers is not as good, but he could still be a good guy. The other side of this is anytime. People start to lose. Details start to come out. You get the old teammates. You get everybody coming out. <laughs> yeah. to, coming, to out Finley, coming out the woodwork. Coming out the woodwork saying, oh, I saw issues. Hey, now, yeah. I think it has to do with losing. when you're. They love you when you're doing good. Oh, they hate you when you're doing so bad. True. But there's so something true. here. And Rogers has been pretty standoffish with his brother, the Bachelor. Oh, and yeah. And then I said they returned his 
parents' presence for Christmas. Who knows what's true? <laughs> Who knows what's not true? Like, but right. the point is, yeah, he's dealing with it. He's a superstar. This is what happens. You're in commercials. Listen. You're making all the money. You're right. dating a good-looking actress. Mm-hmm. You deal with this, too. I don't know. Maybe he's not a good guy, but <laughs> it's hard to say. I just would like to see Mike McCarthy call better plays on offense because that's the other side of it. His offense is so pedestrian and almost relies on this quarterback who's getting older, who's not the young buck he once was. Right. To ad-lib. He's, you know, here in his calf in that Eagles game. I don't know if he could still do it. So. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't even blame it on a head coach. I kind of blame it on a GM. I can't think of his name at the moment. Is it Ted? Thompson, yeah. Oh, Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson. Um, like, they don't draft. I mean, they build it through the draft, but they don't get no um, free agents. I feel the last big free agent what was Peppers. <laughs> and towards the end of his career. Yeah. So I feel like they... The um, Ted just put him in bad situations to be successful on the field. Like, it's almost no way like that you have to go to Tom Montgomery <laughs> as a running back. It's almost like an ego stroking. Like, oh, yeah, we never have to. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds good when you win it. Mm-hmm. Like, when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't have it. Well, hey, and for the Texans, right. and now with the Colts, as we tape this on a Monday, destroying the Jets in a yeah. game that shows way more about Who's, the, is, the Jets Are the Colts, the Colts winning or the Jets losing? Oh, <laughs> well, I think we know the answer to that, <laughs> New York fans. But now we have a three-way tie. Texans lose, Colts win, Titans don't play. Three teams at yeah. six and six. I, I like the Titans though. I, I just love that too. run. I love I, that running you know, game. And like actually, what you just said earlier with the Packers is December now. So I, what's yeah. gonna um, get you into the playoffs? That run game. Colts see. don't got it. In the I gotta say, Colts though. I, I just oh, the no. Titans secondary is one of the worst of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's pretty bad. And I think Mariota is great. I, he, I, I think like he's my bad. favorite young quarterback in the league. Over Jameis. Yeah, oh yeah, I got him over Jameis. It's oh, Carr and him are close to me, but uh, Jameis Carr is definitely number one. We'll talk about Jameis in a sec, but he makes a little too many mistakes. He, he's aggressive. Jameis has to cut on some turnovers, but no. But I, he I doesn't have a running game like Mariota. So let's switch now to one of the aforementioned quarterbacks I just mentioned, the Oakland Raiders. Still talking with CJ Deer on the Money Mitch effect. Money Mitch. Yeah, dude, I told you, you're going to have to do the drops <laughs> one of these days. The Raiders beat the Bills 38-24, to and while the Bills dropped to 6-6, six and six, a, a middle-of-the-road season for a team that's been all over the place. Yes, they a, have. Again, CJ, it's the Raiders that find themselves Find a way at the end of the game. Score 15 points, unanswered points, in right. the fourth quarter to and win I, this game. I haven't really been able to sit down and watch a Raiders game to really dissect and figure out what's going on towards, like, are the do they just find their edge, find some fire, get some fire? Here's the first thing I'll say when we're watching some of these Raiders comebacks. They have a line that protects. Mm-hmm. You know, being a former football player, that when you have a line that gives your quarterback time, he can sit in the pocket mm-hmm. and sling it deep. And what I love so about time is not afraid. Time he's is, not afraid to take those shots. Because yeah. I remember when he came, I did see when he came back in the game after the pinky. I mean, this dude was just <laughs> taking Toby, shots. Little black mama. <laughs> Rip. So true. I mean, that's a... Great comparison. Like, he, he lets it rip. But the thing I love about Carr, he's not like Favre. Where Favre, you know, he could be throwing interceptions when he goes th- deep. But Derek Carr is like, if he's going deep, it's a legit throw. Like, because if it's not there, he'll throw it Here, out of bounds. Here's the other thing about this Raiders team. We really don't give enough credit to just how many weapons they have. Yes. Everybody thought last year, and rightfully so, because they had a great rookie year, but Amari Cooper was great. Mm-hmm. Crabtree. We thought that was just a one-hit one. Crabtree's like great. Seth Roberts is good. Mm-hmm. Murray, they have two running backs they can go to, Murray and Jalen Richards. Like you say, the offensive line is good one tight of the end. best. I mean, they are, they are able to spread the ball out, and they can't key on one guy. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm noticing too, and this is just reading a little deeper. There's not a lot of egos on this team. Oh, we've seen Crabtree in his past, you know, kind of be a kind of be a head. But he's older now. We got a mature Crabtree on the roster. These guys aren't getting the ball. There's no complaining. There's no because Amari Cooper's the one who should be complaining if anything, because Crabtree gets lots of looks. And they're now defensively. I still have my same doubts about this team, which is why I said Chiefs over Raiders as Mm -hmm. the number one threat. Not to disrespect the Raiders, I just think as a more complete team, I take the Chiefs. Khalil Mack is a freak of nature. Yes, he is. I just still wonder about the secondary because the Bills have one of the worst passing attacks in the NFL. I mean, they were having some success throwing the ball. So it almost comes down to if Mack's not getting to the QB or if they're not getting pressure on the edge rushers, mm-hmm. it could be a long day. Right. I could see Brady picking them apart if they're able to make the adjustments. Oh, yes. I could see even Alex Smith having success. But the thing about with Brady... I'm curious to know what's the highest scoring game they had this season because they cannot have a shootout with Carr in the Raiders' offense. No, no, because they, <laughs> they went like toe for toe, Wisconsin. right? <laughs> yeah. And they went toe for toe with the Saints, like on a Drew Brees hot day. Like, oh yeah. So I don't know. That's the the thing about the um, Raiders and the Patriots because the Patriots have a bad defense and the Raiders do too. But I don't think Tom Brady could put. Go point for point with Carr. No, but he loved throwing on that secondary. Oh, <laughs> he would yes, love throwing on that secondary. He'll play in the league till he's 50 if he can play a secondary like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most impressive win of the weekend, in my opinion, a statement win for a team that's back in the playoff picture for real is the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. What I they he was did. The Bucks, no, man. no. What they did to a Dolphins team that had won six straight games. I, I wasn't. I know. I know. We were all yeah. like uh, the Dolphins, you know, yeah. and then the same thing. They're they're now two and four on the road, but they won this game. The Ravens three. Flacco elite. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, today. <laughs> thirty six for forty seven for Flacco. Three eighty one and four touchdowns. Two to Dennis Pitta, who hadn't scored in a very long time. That but was, the defense to too. Back, the defense. Not getting. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they um, people are sleeping on that defense. Because the past couple of years, like that, they had the worst secondary in the league. The defense was hurting without Air Reed and and um, Ray Lewis going, and Terrell Suggs was injured. So, but that defense is legit. Before we get into the Ravens versus Steelers debate over that division, CJ, as I look at the AFC playoff picture, the Dolphins were the front runners going into yes. this game mm-hmm. for that second wild card mm-hmm. spot. Now I'm not so sure. Now it could be three AFC East teams, maybe even. Two from the north if the Ravens and Steelers both win. So I think this loss opens up a lot of doors, and I'm still not ready to say the Dolphins can go. What would they have to be then? Three and one down the stretch? I just yeah. don't think they can do no, it. No, they're going to lose more than one. I mean, I don't even know their schedule. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I don't believe they're a playoff team yet. But I'm happy for Adam Gase because, I mean, everybody was ready to <laughs> hang him out the dry in the first couple he's, of games. So that's good. He's done good. He figured it out. You got to beat <laughs> he's, Jay and Jai. He's doing God's work with uh, Ryan Tanner. I mean, because. Just think about it. Before they were, he had to go out and win them games. Mm-hmm. Adam Gates switched around. Like, look, we're gonna. Our number one priority is get a Jahi what twenty twenty five touches. If he's doing that, then we have a, a good shot. And defensively, of they're playing it smart. That pass rush, there's too oh, much money. You, I was about to say it better. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. It better <laughs> be performing. All that money they got on that D line. So the Steelers beat the Giants. They win that game twenty four to fourteen. An impressive win over a Giants team that we're starting to expect to fall back to earth. But now the Steelers are seven and five. Mm-hmm. Same with the Ravens. They've already lost once to them. Who do you like in this division race going forward? I'm going to say the Steelers because I like their offense better than the Ravens' defense. 
But don't get me wrong, the Ravens have the Steelers' number. So when Something they play about them, I mean it's, it's a divisional uh, rival. Like you know <laughs> that team. Would you agree with the statement that maybe the Steelers are a bit overrated as a complete team because oh, their, oh, off- yes. their offense so is so good. special? So, mm-hmm. but, but I like the Ravens as a more complete team. What, like what week did the Ravens play the Steelers? Do you remember? Like three weeks ago, I think. Right. Oh, okay. Now. So Le'Veon was back in there. They don't have the Steelers. I would say one to fifty-three whole roster. I like the Ravens. I like mm-hmm. their yeah, identity. Yeah, The Steelers defense can get scored. See, but the scary thing about the focus. Ravens, I mean, Terrence West, like, what's their running game? Oh, you want my prediction? Dixon. It's gonna be Dixon's backfield Dixon? come playoff. Time. I mean, but can Is, we really count on him? See, I don't know. And I don't, see, that's the thing about know. the Ravens. Like, I love Flacco. I love that defense, but I'm, I don't love that running game. With the Steelers, senior. I love I love a senior. Yeah. Yeah, I love – yeah, of course. Well, I don't know. Just, just a little slide. Did you see him on Twitter when he, he had his cleats for this week? And there was a sports writer that said, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I don't really – I'm not a big Steve Smith fan, but that's cool to see. Mm-hmm. And you see tweets like that a lot where it's a little dismissive, but okay, respect. And Steve <laughs> Smith responded to the guy. So that's cool. I'm not a fan of you either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't – hey, don't mess with Mighty Mouse, man. No, that's just one guy. He's a legend. With. It's going to be quite the division race. Sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in, like you said, that's that's good football because when the Steelers and Ravens are both playing at their best, that's when we get to see some good hard nosed football. And on the NFC side, Giants lose that game. Yeah, I'm the not Cardinal. The Cardinals beat the Redskins. Yes, so you, that's that's a, a huge shot. What it, what it does is next week's Sunday night game with the Cowboys and, and Giants is for the division. Mm-hmm. Dallas can clinch the division yeah. <laughs> next week. Hard to believe. But now the Giants and Redskins are down. Now the NFC wildcard picture looks like it's opening up, CJ. And even though the Giants are down or eight and four and the Redskins are six, five, and one, it's tough to get a handle on what these teams are because I still think there's a lot of talent in both locker rooms. Yes. But something's just not there consistency wise. The Giant offense couldn't put points up, and the Redskins came out as flat as flat could be I against know. the Cardinals. And that was surprising because I was really starting to buy in on that Redskins offense. And I thought, you know, that they were finally clicking on all cylinders. So that was a huge win by the Cardinals. Still alive, <laughs> somehow. Yes, I cannot believe that because <laughs> they look bad this season. Well, bad. the Giants have the inside track. They've already won eight games. You can say that, that the schedule's been fortuitous and they might not be elite. But, hey, it's about wins. So That's realistically, 10 and 6 is probably going to get you into the playoffs mm-hmm. in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Just split out from here and they'll be fine. With the Redskins loss, with the Cardinals win, and the team I know you want to talk about on the Money Mitch Effect with <laughs> C.J. Deer, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes. they're 7-5, and five, the tied for the division lead. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston starting to make plays. Mike Evans is a top four receiver now in the NFL. Right, that's what I'm saying. They Now those two, <laughs> I mean, I've if we talk about trust. I've never seen someone targeted as much as him. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and he still finds... Ways to come down with the ball. Like, I'm definitely not putting him on the same level as Randy Moss, but it still reminds me of just what Cole Pepper just. It doesn't matter who's over there. I'm throwing the ball to Randy Moss. That's he's, entered, he's entered the room, CJ. Like, there's the Antonio Brown, yes. Julio Jones. And he's just a freak. The three guys. It's kind of similar to Kelvin. Been on the door. Yeah. Now the door's open. He just stepped mm-hmm. in. It kind of makes you also think why maybe Menzel might have been overrated. Because uh, <laughs> of Mike yeah, Evans. And that's the, the craziest thing because he played basketball originally. I don't even think, how many years did he play football in college? I don't think so. Like, yeah, like two. 
He's a freak. And this Bucks team, look, defensively, they're not great, but they have certain things they can do to be great. The Make pass rush up. is getting better. They, they Noah have, Spence, the rookie. McGavin. Yeah, and the rookie secondary, uh, the, the youngsters, I should say, in the secondary look a lot better. Right. I'm still not sure about this team. They're 5-1 and one on the road. That's the, the remarkable thing is that they're just 2-4 and four at home. But when they go on the road, you know, it's a portable style that works. I think part of that is Jameis. While I'm not going to say he's, at this time in his career, as good as a car or Mariota, while he can be, mm-hmm. he's just he a has that leader. resolve where if he plays bad, kind of like Favre used to be like Manning or Brady, that if he makes a mistake, he can just forget about it and make mm-hmm. the next throw. And he's a good leader. Yeah. Like, he changes the culture of a locker room. He makes everyone believe that they have a chance to win the game. Like you said, they could come off a blowout game, but that's, that's not going to define their season. No, not at all. Well, before we go, just to kind of recap, Lions win, Broncos win. We're seeing trends of teams trying to stay alive. I want to get your thoughts on, I guess, the shape of the playoff picture in both conferences. We have four weeks left now, Mm -hmm. and we're looking at certain teams that may be in, may be out. So right now in the NFC, Cowboys are the gold standard. Right. Seahawks, at the very least, have that division on lock. Yes. If we're going to the South, do you think it's one or the other, Falcons or Bucks, or is it possible that both teams could get into the playoffs? Mm, it's possible. I'm definitely. I'm know. giving the Bucks. <laughs> I'm hopping on their bandwagon. They probably won't make it, but I'm gonna just put all my chips okay. on the Bucks. So assume that the Bucks make win that division. Mm-hmm. You still like the Lions? Yes. Although if they lose one more game, just one of the next that's three, and the Packers win. Run. I mean, and, but that's the thing. <laughs> if, week by week, I'm like, oh, the Lions going to probably lose. Oh, but See, they keep finding ways to win. I, they, you could still no. put them in the oh, same F- category as the, first the Raiders game. and yeah. all of them. It's Sunday was the first game that they won. We just didn't they have to come back. Tied. Yeah. But with the Packers having already beat them, all they need is one more game yeah. to gain ground. So we'll see. So the Lions won that. Then we got to find two wild card teams. I don't know if it's going to be three from the NFC East now. So then you got to wonder what yeah, record. We could see a nine and seven. Is it possible? Hold on, you don't think the Giants can get in? I think the Giants get it. Okay, so well, that's... where's that second wild card team coming from? Remember the Falcons and Bucks play each other. Right. We could see nine and seven, maybe even eight and eight wild card. Mm-hmm. Eight seven and that's one. That's always the NFC though. It's they always get crazy. them stuck in there. You know the Never. AFC is a little more d- defined though. Always. <laughs> Always. I'm going to try to call my shot now. I think we will see three from the AFC West. Okay. Really? I, oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, Denver's that's the best bad. division in football. Hey, and you know what? And I like the Chargers, too, but they still... They I'll, go, I'll go one further, CJ. There's a realistic chance that we could see three AFC West teams in the final four of the AFC. If the Broncos are your sixth seed and mm-hmm. the Chiefs are... Say Chiefs, for the sake of our argument, are the yeah. five seed... Chiefs, Colts, Chiefs, Titans. Oh, right. <laughs> I like my chances there. You can hear me betting money right now. But Broncos against that AFC North winner? I don't know. And I'm, the Denver I'm not team a, is interesting. Yeah, I don't, yeah I'm, I'm not a... I'll leave you with Broncos. this, though. What is it about the defense that hasn't played at that elite level we're accustomed to? Is it injuries? Is it that Super Bowl hangover? Guys no, have their ring? Offense. Especially with C.J. Anderson. Now, I mean, Devontae Booker, I like him. But he's still a rookie. He doesn't know what it takes to carry a team to the playoffs. I just feel like just missing that identity run first because, you know, Kubiak, he loves play action. So you yeah. got to get the run game going. And then Trevor Simeon, well, he missed two games already this season. When he's in, he shows flashes of 
Oh, okay, he could be a pretty good game man, game manager, but <laughs> but there's nothing about the defense though. I just feel like they just been put on the field a lot this year. I mean, but what's crazy about it is that they were put in the same situation last year, but but still having Peyton Manning on yeah, the even when he's line. not, and that's the thing too. Even when he's not making the throws and he didn't play well during the stretch, he's putting them in good position, like changing the run calls and. And no offense to Simeon, you can't be that in the first year no, starting. No. Uh, I think the one thing Denver has to clean up on defense is being a little more disciplined. I think they've kind of been a little undisciplined at times. Mm-hmm. I do have one last topic for you. Is your NFL MVP a rookie in Dallas running back by the name of Ezekiel Elliott? No, I want to. No? I want him, I want him to be the MVP, but I don't think he is. I feel like it has to go to maybe a car. Cars? Has to go to car. That's a good choice. I, yeah, he's leading that team. How about... Is there any number that he could hit? Could he break Dickerson's rookie record and maybe be in that discussion? If he breaks Dickerson's rookie record, he's not probably getting to 2,000. He's not getting to 2,000 at this point. I mean, he really had, he needs to come out and have a big game <laughs> this Sunday then if he's going to be considered breaking Dickerson. Unless he, all right, this is my thing too. Do you think they need to kind of lighten up the workload for him since he is a rookie and he's not used to playing sixteen games? You know, we say that we say that. But theory, running backs, boy, they be dropping them. Is this guy like any running back we've seen? Well, the offensive line, though. True, and is he yeah. getting hit as much? So yeah, that's the other side of it. Well, CJ, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. As this always. is fun. We're gonna. Keep expanding on this as the playoffs go forward. It's getting good. It is getting good. Well, we will be monitoring it here on the Money Mitch Effect for sure. Thanks again. Thanks again to all our guests on the Money Mitch Effect today. Ron Schultz, Matt Wittenberg, CJ Deer. I really appreciate them taking time out of their day to come on the show and talk sports. And it really does mean a lot to the growth of this program. There'll be one more episode of the Money Mitch Effect this week. We're going to cover football again. We're going to cover some other sports as well. I want to thank all the listeners. You can find this show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect. And you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 for sports takes and much more. Once again, Mitch Michaels signing off. Thank you for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. And we'll see you next time. Keep watching sports, people.